Hey, the world's full of fantastic music. Each month, we explore an album of significance, its roots, how it makes us feel, and then banter about its influence and staying power. Join us on our journey as we dissect, discuss, and discover some of the world's greatest albums on The Sonic Collective. Hello, everyone out there in Sonic Collective land, and welcome to our December album review. I'm Scott G, and it was my turn to pick. I went with Garbage's self-titled 1995 debut album, Garbage. Uh, as always, I'm joined by Scott C., Darren, and Alan. Uh, as I mentioned at the start of the month, while Shirley Manson is the voice and face of the group, Butch Vig is a force behind the scenes playing and producing in his musical love child. Uh, that was a particular draw for me on this album, but as always, the goal is to savor the album across all of its facets, the lyrics, the instrumentation, composition of the album as a whole. Uh, I'm not going to go too deep into my thoughts, as is the custom here. So without further ado, I'm dying to hear what the rest of the crew thought about this month's pick. I'm going to throw it over to Scott C. first and get his thoughts. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, this one, I remember this album so well because I was a DJ at the Fox and Firkin on the former Electric Avenue when Stupid Girl was a hit. So I remembered exactly what the cover of the album looked like, and I'd play that song. And I think I'd heard the opening track, you know, just in my headphones before, and of course, only happy when it rains, but I really wasn't familiar with any of the rest of the album. And I was quite amazed to look at their discography that this band has been around, you know, what, 30 years almost, and isn't like a massive band, but has obviously carved out a big enough fan base to remain pretty relevant for a real long time which i can't think of too many bands that stay relevant this long that are even huge let alone just sort of these guys seem to exist in a real kind of murky middle zone of fandom and radio play in that but um i found it really interesting that it's not really one genre it's it's you know a mix of so many different sounds i heard nine inch nails kind of overtones in there i heard all the alternative bands in there um i even thought not my idea really reminded me of everclear when i first heard it so i i find it kind of quite courageous in a sense this sound and it makes sense once you know that Butch Vig was this producer, right? And that he got this band together to experiment with sound. So I think it's very eclectic. You can hear he's pulling from all the different bands he's, he's working with. Um, I thought, you know, the opening track's great. Queer's pretty cool. The hits, you know, Stupid Girl, Only Happy When It Rains is great. All the songs kind of rubbed me the right way when listening to it, except for Heaven uh, is Wide. You know, the quick synthesizer beats didn't really grab me, but this song and another one kind of reminded me of something that could have been in The Matrix. Um, I really liked the opening guitars on the song Vow. I thought that was neat. And Milk, you know, brings the album to kind of a, a logical conclusion. And I'm always going on about it, but this, you know, struck me as that album, the album concept that doesn't exist too much today is these songs are definitely in an order it takes you on a, a bit of a musical journey so I, I liked it and that they don't sound like any other band really interesting variety of sounds instruments use of technology i can't say it was one of those that any of the songs i said wow this is incredible or i love this album but i don't dislike any of it either it just it's i could definitely put it on while driving could definitely put it on while cleaning or doing something and I, th I have a feeling this is one I need to listen more because I only listened to it three times. And I feel like it's it's one that as I listen to it more, it's just going to grow on me and more will emerge from it. So, yeah, I think it's a good length. It's that nice package. Side note, I, one thing I hate is how Apple at least does it. 
is all you can find is the deluxe version of an album. You know, so Apple tacked on like another 20 tracks and I was always looking to find out what's the actual last track on this album so that I'm listening to the, you know, the real album. But interesting choice, really interesting band. Uh, I enjoyed it, it, unlike anything we've ever done. So uh, how about I throw it over to Alan? Yeah, thanks, Scott. I concur. I use Spotify and it, they only have the deluxe version too. So I had to I had to look at the track listing on the Wikipedia page to figure out what songs am I actually supposed to be reviewing. Um, I've always been a casual garbage fan. Um, I would count number one Crush as one of my sort of favorite songs from the 90s. And I really like that song, When I Grow Up, which uh, was on, I believe, the subsequent album after this one. But I've never actually taken the time to dive into a full album before. So, um, yeah, it, it was cool to kind of do that. Uh, sonically, I think this album's really neat. It's, you know, it doesn't really read as like a mid-90s sort of release. It seems a lot more contemporary than that. There are so many elements of electronic music and like angsty rock, trip hop, pop music, and it all just kind of like gets mixed and mashed and mastered into something that's sort of completely different and unique. Um, the production and the songwriting was sample driven, which, you know, this that happened a full decade before that style of production would become sort of the mainstream. So that's pretty neat to see. Um, Kind of a shame that they weren't more popular or influential, I think, because, you know, it, if they had, that might have taken alternative music down a different path. And instead, what we saw towards the end of the late 90s and early 2000s was this decline of rock and alternative music in favor of pop music kind of becoming a more breakout genre. And I think Garbage kind of walks a fine line between those genres specifically. Um, I didn't love Shirley Manson's voice. But I think it does add an interesting dynamic to the music. And I believe when Butch and the other guy whose name I forget were coming up with the concept of the band, they wanted a female voice. So, um, you know, mission accomplished. And I think Shirley, Shirley lends something interesting to that. Lyrically, it, it's pretty cool to see the juxtaposition between this like sort of happy, poppy style of music and then there's like dark lyrics, lyrics with dark undertones over top of it. That juxtaposition just kind of, it, it makes it interesting. You kind of have to pay attention to the words in the songs in order to pick up on that. And one gripe I do have is that Shirley Manson is a Scottish lady, and yet you would never know that from hearing her sing. And that's always bugged me when musicians kind of like lose their their native accents when they sing. I don't know. It's just a gripe of mine. I'm trying to like imagine a garbage song with a thick Scottish brogue over top of it. Should be like, I'm only happy when it rains. <laughs> anyway, uh, I noticed in the production style, they employed a lot of loud, soft, loud, dynamic range. The, the kind of thing that Nirvana was kind of famous for, which makes sense, right? Because Butch Vig was one of the producers, or if not the producer behind Nevermind. So I, I assume he was probably trying to employ a similar methodology. That kind of thing was pretty big in the early 90s in the alt scene. Uh, I, I think his production style is genius, um, especially with Garbage, because I think it kind of gave him a, a creative freedom to 
to design his dream album the way he probably wouldn't be able to do, you know, working for a, a client or, or a, an existing band or whatever. So there's a lot going on in the mix. Um, there's like a Phil Spector wall of sound vibe going on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I think it would be an interesting album to listen to on shrooms <laughs> to try and get a different perspective of things just to, you know, to hear it from a different angle. But anyway, um, yeah, that's that was what I thought. I'm going to toss it over to Darren. Yeah, sure. And, uh, you know, I kind of like what you, you two both said. I think you both said that it is an album that you, you have to listen to a few times to really get it i think on the surface it's easy to go oh this just kind of fits into that uh early 90s kind of alternative rock and even leaning into pop but the more you listen to it the more you realize there's a lot more layers to it um and then understanding that butch vig uh started this really from a production standpoint and worked backwards instead of just getting a band and then trying to produce them forwards uh is is an interesting way to say that um, I guess some facts about the band. I always like to throw those in. I mean, the band was formed in Madison, Wisconsin, you know, weird little small northern town close to Canada, close to us up here, um, in 1993. Uh, and they were in another band, uh, the, the original three members, Duke Erickson, Steve Marker, and Butch Vig. And I think there was another person in that band called the Spooners, I believe they were called, or Spooner. Um, and then they kind of got into the production game. Uh, they decided that they were kind of growing and wanted to open the studio. So they opened what they called Smart, Smart Studios. And they started uh, doing production. And as they got into that, Butch Fig was really pushing on how they could uh, create new sounds. And they actually got into making remixes. So funny, I, apparently they did remixes for U2, Depeche Mode. And I think, Scott, you mentioned they even sound like Nine Inch Nails. They actually did a remix for Nine Inch Nails and House of Pain. So they had started doing this and he was experimenting with all these sounds. He's just like, well, I'd like to push this further, but instead of trying to coax a band that they're working with to uh, to try these new, uh, I guess, ideas and concepts in the in the studio, they said, well, why don't we just form our own band? So that, that's basically how it started. So, I mean, I, that's pretty interesting. And as we know, Butch Vig you know, is this massive producer then and now. So, I mean, I thought that was a really interesting approach. And, and I didn't even quite think I understood that at the time. Um, this album sold 4 million copies. It came out in August of 1995. As mentioned, the band is still going. They've kind of not broken up. They've always had sabbaticals. But, you know, I think at the top, I want to say, I think this band is actually a little bit underappreciated or misunderstood. And one of the reasons being is Butch Vig, being the producer, had so many commitments. And I'm sure it was mostly him, but I think the other band members as well, they were doing so much other production and other side jobs that they literally just couldn't get together enough to produce as much content as probably you would put in the category of some of the great bands that have released, you know, 10 albums in the last 20 years. They've only done three or four because it's just all these delays and things. So I I think it's definitely a band worth going back and revisiting for anybody. Uh, and again, as the more and more I listened, the more and more I liked it. And I caught that as well, what Alan said about the lyrics. Like, actually, Manson's lyrics and some of the words are quite dark or weird and strange and don't really go with the kind of the pop sensibilities of the songs. But in a way, that kind of creates this new, eclectic, cool sound. Um, you know, a couple of quick stories. Uh, one was 
when they were looking for Shirley Manson, he said, I want a, a vocalist, female vocalist, a strong one. He didn't want like a poppy pop artist sound. He's like, I want kind of the PJ Harvey type of sound. So that he, they went out and searched and they, uh, he found Shirley Manson who was in this Angelfish band. He's like, oh, you know, she's, she's perfect. So they approached her and said, oh, this, this band wants you to join them. But she had no idea, never heard of any of the band. And apparently the story was they're like, oh, I think he's on, he just did that big Nirvana album, that band that just came out last year or whatever. So she literally went and got the album and checked the back to make sure he was actually the producer to like basically to decide if he was actually a genuine artist and somebody she'd want to even talk to. And on a crazier note, the first time they ever met, so they get in contact, they meet, it was April 8th, 1994. Now, anybody in the alt-rock scene will remember that date because that is the day Kurt Cobain died. So how crazy is that? He produced Nirvana. He's forming his own band. They get together the first time Garbage actually meets as a band ever. I mean, to decide if they want to be a band is the day of Cobain's death. So weird kind of call them coincidences, alt-rock coincidences. Um, yeah, so uh, I, they also toured with the Smashing Pumpkins. Apparently, that's what really launched them. They were the support band for the Smashing Pumpkins, and they did that for about a year and a half, uh, touring with them, and that kind of just thrust them into the spotlight because, as you know, the um, Smashing Pumpkins in those days were a huge, huge, massive band. Yeah, partially because, got ch- because Butch yeah. Vig did a really good job on producing some of their albums as well, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> right? Exactly. Uh, they got two Grammy nominations, no wins for that album uh and and one thing i also found interesting and if you go back like we did reviewed sergeant pepper's uh lonely heart club band uh from the beatles and we found out when we did that that when the beatles kind of freed themselves realizing hey if we let's just make an album we want to listen to and that maybe is harder to do live but let's just make this album that is in our head and that was this band was meant to be that this was never really supposed to be a live touring band necessarily they just wanted to get out there and do more of a studio experimentation and sounds so i thought that was interesting too and now it in a way, they're actually ahead of their time because that is just the norm now that you're just supported by these background tracks uh, running in the background and not necessarily being played live. Uh, samples, I mean, the hip-hop industry is just a, a pure exact example of that, but that industry was just blossoming here in the early 90s. So interesting that you know that they're really ahead of their time again like that. Um, yeah, a couple other things quickly. I, you know, I, I think too that, you know, I love or hate Shirley, uh, Manson's voice. Uh, you know, I think she had a cool style and she kind of brought some punk sensibilities. And at the time, really, you think of the, the kind of late eighties, early nineties, you're thinking of the time like bikini kill and punk was, uh, Kathleen Hanna, f- uh, fronted this all female punk band that really kind of said like, Hey, women can be in punk you know, shows and bands as well. It doesn't have to be just these angry young white kids that are, you know, maybe have their freaking other crazy beliefs that it was becoming more mainstream. So I actually really liked, and I kind of almost sensed that, that this was a continuation or an exploration on top of allowing the kind of this female punk uh, to kind of come forward. Um, Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I I really like this band. Um, I think I've talked enough. So let's go back to Scott uh, and see what you thought. I mean, it was your pick, man. Uh, Like, obviously you like them. What did you think? Yeah, and you actually just sparked. uh, I was typing furiously because I didn't want to lose the the thought that you just gave me about uh, punk and women. And 
I think this was a real awakening moment in time, those those 90s leading into the 2000s. I remember bands like Belly and L7 and Veruca Salt and, you know, just all coming to the forefront. And they, I love Veruca Salt. Oh, yeah. And they're just out there, right? I, and same thing with Shirley Manson here. I think she's she carves her space out vocally uh with no apologies she works a lot in that that lower register i do hear the scottish there though alan like when uh on milk right there's i mean you might be thinking of the brogue roll the art side of things but i also think of like the wailing banshee kind of side of things too you're full of shite mate shite i am 30 percent scottish now according to ancestry.ca so now, now I was Ukrainian for the first 40 years of my life, but I am now actually more Scottish than Ukrainian. Apparently so I am, I am getting back in touch with my ancestral roots. I did not know I had, but um, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you though, that I think Butch Vig did a, a, a disservice on one level. Alan, I remember, um, House of Pain got brought up a Butch Vig remix of Shamrocks and Shenanigans and it was very much a hip hop track and then he got in there and all of a sudden there was like these extra guitars and it was upbeat and stuff like that. I'm like, oh no, what have you done? So I think he might have built that bridge that you're right. He did something interesting and new, but potentially pulled rock more over to the pop and the commercial side in some ways by bringing some of these bands over uh, with these mixes um yeah i thought the album was layered and, and i agree you have to listen to it to a number of times to really unpack it it's a bit of an archaeological dig for the late 80s and early 90s as far as sounds and, and it's across the entire spectrum butch really wanted this album to be a mix of all that and you can hear it you can hear the hip-hop you can hear the rock with the resi guitars uh and, and even some funk and stuff going on in the background uh, I agree with Alan in that number one crush was my gateway into this band. It was such a good track. Uh, and it was the B-side of the Vow single, which was actually the first single they released. And I thought that was an interesting pick because if you look at the five singles, uh, Vow, I found, wasn't the strongest. In fact, I thought it was like five, you know, the, the fifth strongest out of five. So... Uh, it didn't have a lot going for it as far as a, a clear mission. Uh, they modulated Shirley's voice on that track. And I was not a fan of that. I think she's got such strong vocals already that, you know, I'm not a fan of auto-tune or modulation or anything like that in general, uh, which is strange to say on an album that's dedicated to just trying to do as many things with sound as possible. Uh, that was the one misstep for me, I think, on this entire album that I just needed to really call out really early. And it's really the only negative thing I could say about this album. So I can just go right into the happy parts of it. Who am I to, to second guess Butch Vig's release schedule on his singles, right? He's doing okay. Uh, I did like the layering throughout the album. I, I did find, and, and let me know if you agree with this. It, it, it was a lot of the same type of, of experimentation across all of the songs. And I found that it was really the singles. I think they were chosen because it's where they just hit the right note with all of that. Uh, and, and I don't want to feel like the rest of the album is a bit of a throwaway in comparison to them, but there's just clearly, it feels like on those top five tracks, it clicked. Everything clicks together and they found the mix perfectly. And, and I feel like the B-sides were just 
you know, them trying to work up to, to some, uh, some of that peak, um, sound that they had on, on the ones. Yeah. I really hate being one of the guy that says the singles are the favorite. You know, this, this isn't, uh, a group dedicated to singles It's dedicated to finding those album experiences. And, and so just the, the gap between the singles and the rest of the album was a little bit jarring for me. And I felt a little guilty because I do want to enjoy this completely, uh, as an album. Uh, I thought Milk was the number one track on this entire thing. Uh, I like the soft bass line that it has and the interplay with the strings, uh, you know, like the electronic piano they had going there. She has a naturally haunting Scottish voice, uh, and this song really accents it, you know, accentuates it. Um, it reminds me of Number One Crush a lot, which I said is my favorite song by them. Uh, but this is like the crazy pining girlfriend version of, of Shirley not the I'd kill someone for you please ask me to kill someone for you you know which is way more preferable between the two um not my idea I think from the b-sides was was my favorite it's upbeat she's in her upper register it's playful you'd think it's a happy song but like you guys said she's dark man she's still deeply into this bad relationship that she's talking about uh but you can bop to it it might not have been the intention but you know you you dance to what you can. Um, I think those were the really the big things for me here. I, I really liked that he took all of these sounds from the other albums that he had produced uh, and he was able to culminate it into a, a musical love child that did eventually uh, bear fruit. To Alan's point, they did release an album in 2021 uh, and I went and I had to listen to it, and it is still very much stamped with that garbage Butch Vig sound that they had established in the 90s, and it does hold up. It carries forward. Garbage as in the album's garbage, or it's by garbage? It is by good. garbage, and it is good. It has a garbage sound to it, which apparently now, garbage means good. <laughs> and yeah, I think we can we can proceed into to scores at this point. Uh, let's go back through the same order, and Scott C. Yeah, really interesting comments on everyone. And I like that none of us thought it was a turd and we all seem to like it for similar reasons. I'll give it a 3.5 for influence. Um, I'm going to go listen to more garbage. In fact, I got to just listen to this one more. I'm not a lyrics guy unless I'm paying super attention. So I'd actually like to really, you know, lay down uh, and uh, listen to these lyrics properly. And I'm going to check out more garbage because I think it's interesting. So that's a 3.5. I'll give it a 4.5 on recommend because... Again, I find them really interesting for a band to stay relevant for so long without being mega successful, and they're also not unsuccessful. They just seem to live in this quiet middle zone. So I'd definitely give it a four or five to people, and overall, I'll give it a four. Um, you know, didn't blow me away, didn't dislike it either. Just find it interesting, and it requires a bit more time. How about you, Alan? Uh, garbage was not rubbish. <laughs> I think overall it was a... For me, it was a three and a half out of five. I think it was a solid album. Some songs I gravitated to more than others, uh, but there was definitely some gold in there. Uh, influenced, I'm giving it a four out of five, just because I, after listening to this one a few times through, I went and checked out some of their subsequent releases. They had an album, I think it came out in 2020 or 2021, called No Gods, No Masters if I'm remembering that correctly. And I gave that a listen. And, uh, you know, the garbage sound 
is intact. It, it sounds like a garbage album, which I think is a testament to uh, just the the almost timelessness, the the timeless quality of of their style. Uh, and then as far as recommendations go, I think I'm at a three and a half out of five on this one. I think there's something for everyone on this album, um, whether you gravitate more towards the pop sensibilities or, or the rock sensibilities or you're into EDM. I think there's enough of a, of a catchy sort of hookiness to some of these songs that, you, you know, there's something for everyone. Yeah, I'll jump in. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think that this album, uh, my marks are bang on with with uh, the both of you. Um, I actually put influence as a three point five, only because I actually think it was a little bit ahead of its time, and I think people it got just pushed into like more of a poppy rock kind of category, where I actually think that's a bit undeserved. So if anything, it's probably go back and say it is a four or higher. But I'm going to stick with my three point five. Recommend. I'm going to put a four because I I do really think this is an artist you should go back and be like, hey, it wasn't just like those you know radio tracks you just heard uh, which are good tracks but there's a lot more to them and again listen to the lyrics just get into it think about the production and the time it happened in it's always hard but you have to go back and put yourself in the early 90s and this is in the middle of grunge uh, but yeah and then overall I'm coming in at a four I think this is a fantastic album is a great pick um, I also highly recommend it pun intended with a uh, new figure uh, Mandarin Cookies Cannabis. Uh, it came out a little dry this time, Figures, so get your act together. But uh, Figures from uh, Prince Edward Island, and they're a lo- nice cannabis producer doing good stuff. You can find them across Canada, but made it pretty good. Nice little, fun little high little buzz out of that one. Uh, yeah, so Scott uh, Gregory, what are your scores? Yeah, uh, what I recommend uh, for, I think this is really great. And, uh, you know, one of my criticisms was that uh, some of the experimentation is, you know, very similar across the group, but and that I preferred the singles, but that might be, you know, my own bias coming through and that I've heard the singles so often, right? And so it might, this album who isn't, someone who isn't familiar with this album, it might hit them differently. And so I highly recommend it. Uh, there is something for for everyone here. Influence, I had mentioned before, there's a lot of strong female artists in the 90s uh, that I really gravitated to, and this was one of them. I really enjoyed this album. And so 4.5 on the influence front for me. And overall, I do give this a, a 4.5, rounding it up. I think it's a great album. Like I said, it's an archaeological dig on the sounds of the 90s all in one stop. So you can listen to this album. You can have something catch your ear. Uh, and then that'll carry you somewhere else uh, in the either the albums that Butch had produced or, or further beyond. So it is a great starting point into the 90s, into strong female vocals. Uh, and it can carry you all the way through to contemporary times with a sound that has stood out. So overall, 4.5 on my front. Great. Well, with that, I guess we are at the end of uh, another year uh, together on this been a great run guys crazy crazy yeah, like another good year years or something like that eight uh-huh. or seven or nine or it's a lot of years yeah still yeah. so much music to go through <laughs> yeah well we're gonna get through it all that's yeah. right yeah. by 2024 we yeah. will have caught up with all music and we'll just need some of you <laughs> listeners to put something out for us to, to judge <laughs> yeah so that's not gonna happen no. so december or uh january 
Yeah, the new year. We're, well, we'll talk about. It. I, I don't actually. I'm up. I don't actually know what I'm going to pick. We're we're going to decide. We might do another genre round or something and pick a theme and pick around that uh, this time. But I get, you know what? We're not ready, so you're just going to have to tune into the next episode that will be up uh, here in the next day or two, as it's December 30th when we're recording this. So uh, we'll have it up on January 1st. So go check it out and see what we picked, and be sure to listen along. Yeah, have your RSS alerts on, uh, and just hit refresh constantly on the page it will eventually show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool. all right all those people in uruguay hanging That's on our right. every episode south america we love muchas you muchas gracias yeah gracias. <laughs> all right well nice with that happy new year to you three and to everyone else this has been another episode of the sonic collective closing out 2021 uh talk again soon Thanks for listening and exploring with us. We'll be back real soon with another pick and critique of albums that matter here at the Sonic Collective.